0: Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm looking at, and it's been a minute since I read one of these, book seven of the Wicker series by Kate Tiernan and it's called The Calling. It's been so long since I read one of the books in the series. Uh, I think the last episode I did was putting book five and six into like one episode because not a huge amount happened in book five and it had actually been so long that I'd forgotten what happened and I had to make myself go back and edit that episode that I'd recorded just so I could remember the content of, you know, what had happened in the books. So in case you have also forgotten, the End of Book 6 was basically the big confrontation between series antagonists Cal and Celine and Hunter and Morgan faced them and it ended with Celine killing Cal when he jumped in front of Morgan to save her life and then then killing Celine and some sort of weird dark energy slithering out of her and off into the darkness. That's very much where the book ends. This book picks up with a whole new setting and a whole new crisis. So the gang are off to New York and they're going there as a sort of fun holiday trip but also because Hunter is trying to track down an evil coven which is the Amaranth coven mentioned in the previous book uh, that Selene was sort of associated with it's like a secret coven so people are also members of other covens which is what uh Selene was doing with her coven star locket but this is her sort of her real coven and they're going after it in New York hunters are looking into it at the same time Morgan is having visions of a, a sort of sacrifice taking place a bunch of people wearing animal masks of like vipers weasels um, mountain lions wolves etc are sacrificing a wolf cub on a an altar and it seems to be that the guy in the wolf mask is the ringleader the implication taking from this vision is that someone in the amaranth coven possibly the leader is going to sacrifice their child uh, to increase its power so they're instantly on the lookout and trying to hunt down someone who might be the child in question to try and save them as with previous books we have sections ahead of each chapter all of those sections in this book belong to a new character whose name i think is neem Hedih, but I'm probably saying that wrong I'm getting really tired of not being able to say half of this stuff by the way but it's very clear from the sort of start of the book that those sections belong to Kieran who was the guy that Morgan's birth mother was involved with who was actually her soulmate uh, but she was sort of already promised to this guy called Angus and then she found out that her soulmate was married and had kids and she told him to piss off back to his family because you know, you don't cheat on people, that's just mean. So when that revelation happened, I don't know what book it was, but one of the previous books, I instantly thought, so that guy was definitely Morgan's birth father, right? Because come on it seems to fit the melodramatic tone of the books that she's going to not only have a revelation that she's adopted and that her mother was a blood witch but also have like the double whammy revelation of her father isn't even who she thought he was and it's quite annoying to go into this book feeling like that because although that is meant to be the big surprise at the end like oh my god it turns out Angus isn't your birth dad this other dude is and he's evil It's so incredibly obvious that even if I had completely forgotten that this had been discussed in previous books, I wouldn't have been able to get more than a quarter of the way into this book without realising what was going to be revealed at the end. There's a lot of things to tip you off. Aside from the fact that it just makes sense for it to be like a big reveal, because obviously it's not going to be straightforward as just finding some new person who is going to be sacrificed, because God knows it's all been about Morgan so far, so why would it change now? They visit a witch club, and on page 58, uh, Morgan goes outside and meets this guy who she feels kind of a kinship with, a kind of identification with, and he's an older guy and he's just sitting outside being weird. There's also a younger guy in the club who felt like he knew her, and he sort of stops her and says, hey, don't I know you? And she's like, well, no, I've never been here before. Uh, And he's like, oh, that's weird. And then we find out that that character, who is called Killian, is the son of the guy who we know to have murdered Morgan's birth mother, um, Kieran, who was her actual soulmate, but who she spurned and all the rest of it. So they go and try and protect Killian. And at this point, I'm like, okay, so you recognised something in Killian. You felt like you had kinship with him and he felt like he had it with you probably because you're half siblings I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that she bumps into the older guy again quite soon after that they go to this bookshop and he's just in there reading about stuff and she seems to feel like she can trust him straight away he has a very trustworthy feel about him he feels familiar and I'm like oh okay because he's your dad and he's the guy who um you're actually looking for but won't identify until the end of the book and boy howdy was I incredibly correct and it was really frustrating getting there because although occasionally in these books I have picked up on plot points and revelations before they occur it's never been that within the first like five pages of the book I've known what's going on and had to read an entire like 200 plus page book to find out that I was correct and that was quite frustrating for me on a number of levels. So that's like the major plot of the book is Morgan finding out that she has a living half-sibling and also that her father is not who she thought he was when she thought she knew who he was after she found out she was adopted. It's all getting very days of our lives and I'm kind of not here for the drama in this case it's just quite annoying. Uh, The other thing that kind of happens in terms of drama is that Morgan is trying to locate a gold watch which was a gift from Kieran to her birth mother and she reads in her birth mother's diary that it was hidden in an apartment she lived in in New York so Morgan takes Robbie a sort of guy friend uh, to investigate and to try and find it and in the course of doing that she casts a spell on the superintendent of the building To make this old lady forget that they were in the apartment looking for something. And Robbie has a massive problem with this. It seems like disproportionately angry with her because she has power and she used it in a way that made the task that she'd set for herself easier. She just makes her forget that one little thing. She doesn't attack her or hurt her in any way. But he still has a massive problem with it. And I realise it's probably meant to come off as he thinks she's crossing a line and whatever. But all I can read in the subtext of that is that he's massively jealous because she is powerful and he is not. So it made me like Robbie a little bit less because he brings up again this thing that happened in like book one. And it gets brought up in every single book like oh hey remember that time when morgan did a potion for robbie to clear up his acne and it cleared up his acne really well but also fixed his eyesight because she was too powerful and she didn't really know what she was doing and he continues to have a massive problem with that and it's like well if you want to go back to wearing glasses and looking disgusting and not having girls date you which is how he's described in the first book like I also have acne. I don't think that I look disgusting, but he definitely had a massive problem with how he looked. You know, it just seems like he's really ungrateful and jealous and uh, I just don't get it. Obviously, Morgan shouldn't be abusing this power that she has. But at the same time, it seems like everyone in the books is just telling her not to do anything with it unless they've had a committee meeting and decided that she can do magic. And everyone keeps saying, oh, well, I mean, you don't really know what you're doing. You've only been practicing for two months when in the previous book she did that weird mind meldy thing so she could learn everything that that older witch knew so i feel like they should maybe step off a bit i'm getting frustrated for her and i know she's like a fictional character but it just reminds me so much of things that happen when you're on like pagan forums and they're like oh no we're wiccans we don't need to ever do spells that would be too dangerous we'll just let the universe sort itself out and actually doing magic could hurt somebody so let's just not and those people are in like the minority but they still irritate me intensely so that was a long rant about how i feel about that aside from that didn't really write this book it was incredibly predictable and annoyed me intensely we are now like halfway through the series and it seems like the real antagonists have been unveiled it's this amaranth coven although at the end of the book her dad does kind of turn on them to save her but it might be because it's like pure self-interest at this point she's his heir and he wants her protected because maybe he wants her power all for himself we don't know and then at the end morgan breaks up with hunter because she feels like she's destined to be evil because her dad is like massively evil and she did that one spell to make that woman forget like 12 seconds of her life and apparently that makes her the equivalent of magic hitler for some reason so they break up and i'm sure that's sad if you're at all invested in their relationship which i am not because i'm not 13 and i don't really care that much i think my main gripe with the book is because it's so painfully obvious to me and i'm sure to everyone else who read it what is happening what the actual reveal is going to be at the end all the other characters even the ones like sky and hunter who are meant to be like advanced experienced witches who work for the council and therefore know their shit and what's going on they just come off as really really ignorant and limited because they don't see the incredibly obvious plot lines that are forming around them and it just kind of makes you look at them like a group of idiots who like Can't accomplish anything and can't get anything done and don't believe in using magic at all so i guess what i'm saying is i'm now rooting for the evil guys because at least they're interesting and they seem to be at least smarter than the good guys which is not a great place to be in as a reader of a book series aside from that plot line there are some other things going on like interpersonal relationship wise within the group which i found personally to be so boring that I just didn't even want to think about them. But one of them is slightly relevant to something which I feel like is a sort of breadcrumb trail being led towards something new in terms of plot. So I will mention it. Um, Robbie, the aforementioned ex-acne, ex-glasses dude, has finally started going out with super hot friend of Morgan called Brie. Um, they're having a bit of trouble in their relationship because Brie doesn't really believe in love. And she thinks that because Robbie is so perfect and lovely um that it's all going to end badly and so she might as well just end it now because terrible things are just around the corner she's sure anyway so they spend the whole book kind of going backwards and forwards about being in a relationship or not and then at the end it seems like they've made up brie and robbie decide to take one of the bedrooms so that they can like be together and spend some time together and on the door of the bedroom is a wreath with jasmine woven through it and hunter comments that he doesn't know where they would get Jasmine at this time of year because I guess it's winter or something and you can't find it outside growing. And earlier at the bookshop where Morgan met the guy who was totes her dad, even, and I'd forgotten about this until just now, um, he had a faint Scottish accent, like that's the biggest fucking red flag in the world, come on guys. Anyway, he showed her some magic where he killed a pot plant and then brought it back to life with magic, pretty standard. but she was thinking about how it wasn't really meant to be flowering at this time. And if that would like fuck it up somehow as a plant, that plant was a lilac. It wasn't Jasmine. I just went back to check, but it seems like that might be connected to the presence of these Jasmine flowers at the end. Like maybe Brie went to see somebody and magic has been involved somehow. And maybe she doesn't know it, but she's being seduced by evil coven amaranth and their, wiles i don't know maybe i'm just reaching but it seems like it was kind of obvious and put out there and commented on so it might turn out to be important in some way where i'm at now with the series is i guess sort of what happened at the midpoint of the circle of three series nothing really new is happening we're kind of in a pattern now you know morgan makes small discoveries in magic there's some sort of conspiracy that ends in an altercation at the end of the book and then things just get worse in the next book so the novelty of the series and the things that it does differently are starting to wear off for me and it's just kind of getting into this kind of plodding space i am hopeful that in coming books maybe i might get surprised by the plot and that this was just a weird moment in terms of it just being really predictable when i added this book to my like currently reading thing on goodreads I couldn't help noticing that there were quite a lot of negative reviews, like right at the top of the page. So I had a little read through some of them. I didn't want to get spoiled, but thankfully there weren't that many spoilers. Like people had hidden those reviews, so that was pretty cool of them. But it seems that criticism comes for two reasons. One is that people think that it's kind of a tired plot trick to have hunter and morgan break up because they've been confirmed to be these weird soulmate people but i guess it's in the middle of series and we need drama so now they have to break up and also because they don't really buy the fact that morgan can seriously believe that she's evil just because her dad chose to do evil things like pretty sure evil isn't a genetic trait and he didn't raise her so she's not going to get any of that shit environmentally so it just seems a bit weird other major criticisms include the fact that the description for the book was incredibly spoilery and tipped people off to what was happening in the book. I assume they're referring to the blurb because it's the same on Goodreads as it is on the back of the book. Uh, The blurbs on these books are always really annoying. I'm just annoyed at a lot of things to do with this series today okay but um, they always start with like a massively long paragraph about how the main character, Morgan, is feeling. So this one it says, At last I'm coming into the sunlight. The dangers I faced are gone and I'm deep and I'm in love. Deeply in love. But lately I've been having dreams, terrible visions of someone in trouble. Someone who will die unless I can prevent it. Who is calling me like this? And what will it cost me to help? So those are there. That's not really a blurb, really. It just sort of monologues through a bit. It doesn't really tell you anything about what's happening in the book. And then underneath that there'll usually be like two sentences which does what a blurb is actually meant to do and tells you something's going to happen in the book but this one is quite spoilery. Morgan is a blood witch but where is her real family and who are her friends and her enemies? So I think the thing about where is her real family is what spoiled a lot of people because in previous books we've been told about her birth parents that their whole coven was wiped out which is their family and that the two of them died in a fire so if they're dead who is this person who is still out there somewhere as part of her real family and it just kind of confirms when you start reading the book oh then it's pretty clear from the pre-chapter pieces from the perspective of her biological father and from this mysterious guy turning up who has a slight scottish accent and is old enough to be her dad then i think he's actually described as being old enough to be her dad jesus anyway it's pretty obvious if you've read the blurb or if you just glance at it halfway through the book and think oh I know what's going on so even if you couldn't work it out yourself the back of the book near as good as tells you it's kind of ridiculous really. Reading some general reviews and trying not to get spoiled for the book after this one it does seem to be a bit more positive in terms of reviews although a lot of them note that morgan's behavior starts being like very rebellious and like she doesn't care anymore like she stops doing schoolwork starts doing dangerous things like underage drinking and things like that which kind of reminds me of and i'm loath to mention it the twilight saga when bella realizes that she can only like hallucinate edward when she's in danger and then we all had to like read about her being reckless and stupid It seems kind of like that, except Morgan's doing it because she thinks that she's destined to be evil, so she might as well just stop trying. I feel like as an adult, and I use that term loosely, I'm going to be quite frustrated by those elements in the story, but we'll see how we go. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought of this book if you've also read it, and uh, you can get in touch in the usual way on Twitter, which is at WitchFix, or by email, which is WitchFixPodcast at gmail.com. You can also check the donation link below and you can donate to Patreon because I still haven't actually bought the last three books in the series and I should probably get around to doing that at some point. If you would like to buy those books, they are on the Amazon wishlist for the podcast, which you can find by going to the Twitter feed and looking for the link. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.